Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of uh, Masala PTI with uh, your host Arvind Srinivasan and Ravi Krishnan. Ravi, this is our 10th uh, episode, by the way. So oh, happy 10th uh, episode, Arvind. You know, I frankly was about 50-50 on whether we would reach uh, double digits. And I'm so happy and glad that we have. And frankly, I think we are just getting started. Yes, me too. I think it took us a little longer than originally expected, but 10 in three or four, three and a half months is not bad at all. Absolutely. And you know, what what I also gathered is that aspirationally, I remember we were talking that once football season starts, we might want to kind of have a weekly podcast. I feel that was, you know, over ambitious on our part. I think once, once though, once things kind of are on cruise control, we could get close to that. Yes, yes. And hopefully uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about as we get into the fantasy playoffs too, which is upon us, I guess. By the way, congrats on uh, making the playoffs on our league of uh, record. I think both of us are in the playoffs. And the other one, I am kind of hanging by a thread and you are comfortably in the playoffs. So that should be good for you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks and kudos to you as well. I mean, this time I'm... Especially happy that uh, I think you mentioned it in one of our earlier podcasts that I've been less uh, or I've been more trade shy than usual. And for the most part, uh, you know, the deals that uh, we've both made have come through rather well for us. Right. Except the one I made with you. (laughs) Which, Which I think for a week it looked like you... You got the way better end of it. Now I'm not so sure. You got Ebron for, uh, I got Paul Perkins, who I promptly dropped right after. You know, but that's, again, I would say, and I'm not just being falsely humble here, but I got a donut from Ebron last week. So I know for a week it looked really good for me, but not so much now. Yes, yes. I have Ebron in the other league. And, you know, that's a good segue into what we want to talk about here, right? I think... It is week 13 and most of the leagues, this is the final league of the regular season and then, you know, you start the playoffs right after. I'm sure some leagues do 12 or 14 or whatever. So there's been a lot of, obviously, churn in terms of uh, performances and who's good, who's hot, who's not. In general, I think it will be good to talk about two things here. One is, in general, what are the playoff tricks and tips that you got up your sleeve and what I have in mind mm-hmm. as well as, as well as what are some of the names that people should be looking at or trusting through these key stretch stretches right I feel like you know some of these gambles are easy to take in week six week seven but come playoff time uh, it's understandably a lot more challenging and I wouldn't blame people if they're gun-shy in starting some guy who's kind of hot. Uh, but, you know, what's he going to do in the playoff situation and that sort of thing. But essentially, what I'm getting at, Ravi, is 
should we be looking for more consistent performance this time of the year compared to earlier in the year definitely and this is also i, I you i mean you you, you cannot uh, overstate that point especially because this is also the time where you know certain things that we've always talked about things like you need to have the handcuffs to your core uh, primary running back i mean i think uh, having the primary handcuff to your main running back is far more important than the number 4 running back who probably is not going to see the starting end of your roster anyways uh, even though brand name wise uh, you know uh, jerick mckinnon might sound i mean i think bad example but in any case a starting running back for an nfl team which absolutely ranks dead last in rushing is not half as good as say the primary backup to the number one rushing attack in the league yes so that's a good point you make so the first thing you are saying is in week 6 7 you would fill out your roster with these long shots and kind of the long term investment right so at the end of the day you are only starting two running backs or maybe two plus one flex so with that said jerick mckinnon had a decent game yesterday night so you go if this was a regular season game uh, what you are saying ravi is you go pick him up tonight right that's right now, that's right now is in the playoffs and the chances are you have only 2 3 weeks and god willing you don't get to start your third fourth fifth uh, running backs in the playoffs and bare bye weeks are done too so you don't need any bye weeks protection either so now what you're saying is if you have a lashan mccoy you are better off getting his backup with that fourth or fifth spot than jerick mckinnon Right. Exactly. Exactly. exactly exactly and you know primary arithmetic here as well wherein you know we are basically left with four tangible weeks so each week is far more weighty or far more important and if you know just as you know that there are certain players who are going to be in your starting lineup in every one of the next four weeks you also know which player is never going to see your starting lineup and if that is the case what's the point of having him in your roster or in your uh, 15 exactly so you don't have by weeks trade deadlines are done so really there is no motivation to have certain guys so essentially this is when it kind of reminds me of a 401k plan right when you are younger <laughs> when you are in your 20s you are supposed to take high risk investments and then as you age you supposed to even it out with bonds and you know index funds so you are in that you are not in the younger part of the season anymore you are now old you are now in your 70s and 60s you better go for the more conservative safer investment which is which is you know could be your uh, handcuff and not a not a, a long shot like somebody who is playing for a week behind the Tampa Bay's third running back or something like that exactly and the other thing that to me you know so what we are discussing here is kind of the i guess the uh, the aggressive or the positive intent strategy you know i want to uh, bank uh, say the running attack for pittsburgh or dallas because i know the you know they're going to be good whoever it is is going to be good so that's the positive mindset game plan 
on the flip side which i feel is equally important is to play keep away like and i'll i'll take a specific example if you don't mind arvin i dropped my fourth running back terence west in this league that we play together because yeah. he was not, he was not going to start for me at least for the next two weeks i mean who knows after that if elliot gets injured and i'm ending up having to start west woe on me but that wouldn't make me feel good so what i did was i dropped him and picked up adrian peterson who might not play this season who might actually not even play but my thought was number 1 even if he gives me a week it allows me to say use an ap as a flex that's probably what 1% chance that's okay but what i didn't want to happen is for my opponent to pick him up just because i wanted to hold on to terence west uh, so 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 kind of keep away someone who's going to be potentially a season maker off of someone else's roster is equally important as it is to bolster one's own roster That's a good point but I'm I'm actually going to challenge you a little bit on that I'll tell yep. you why yep. I'll tell you yep. why So if, for one it's a little bit contradictory of our first point which is play it safe so in this case you are actually picking up a kind of a long shot but I see your motivation is different you are trying to play keep away Exactly my that makes sense but my problem with that is and this is why i also considered him but i did not pick him up based on our first point because i never thought i could trust him enough to start him even if he shows up on week 15 i have to wait for a week and then that you know who knows if i'm even around for the super bowl right but yeah yeah so so for the first based on our first point i passed on him but coming back to your second point which is you're playing keep away my problem there is there is very little likelihood that your playoff contender is going to be in a situation where they take him right what i mean by that is they are probably in the same predicament as you mm-hmm. which, is, which is they probably have a couple of good running backs they are probably dropping the terence west types to you know they can afford to basically to get something else so i really wonder how much this keep away strategy would work compared to earlier in the season now with that said i do see your point that if he explodes in week 15 then your super bowl opponent might pick him up in week 16 and then depending on where you go, you are in waiver maybe you lose out to him right so i think your your strategy is smart in the sense that you can probably count that terence west is not going to explode whereas this guy might and you want to keep him away from your opponent that kind of makes sense to me now i think through that but even the likelihood of that i really doubt it yeah the probability wise i i mean uh, no argument there arvind i think probability wise both of these scenarios are probably zero versus 1% so it's purely a question and you just brought up the main reason why Uh, you know i would venture into keep away it is based on the way our waiver system is designed which is basically on a rotating cyclical uh, basis every week so which is uh, probably true for most mature leagues exactly exactly yeah. which is why if you are in the fortunate situation where let's say you have the number one waiver pick uh, and you do not have to worry about say losing a stud guy on your end and then uh, not i mean even if you don't have a he and he explodes you know that you're going to pick him up next week in our case we 
yes my opponent may or may not have a need but if he has a higher waiver order say 2 weeks from now and has a better chance i wouldn't want to repent at that time especially when the substitute or who are we talking about terence west who yeah, yeah, yeah. i said is you know is is a five point floor seven point ceiling guy right 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 that's great seven point ceiling uh, okay cool i like those two tips so play conservative be so second one is be strategic about uh, keep aways uh, especially look at the waiver wire look at what your super bowl opponent can do to hurt you versus what you can do to hurt him the sort of thing Yeah. yeah and if, Now, I can, if i can sorry, sorry yeah, yeah. Just, add, just, just one other, one other thing, thing and again this is partly based on observation that uh, you know uh, from our own league as well as a number of other leagues where i find sometimes people don't treat each of their roster spots as preciously as they should and this goes back to something that i think you and i both agree on which is i don't think there is a need to keep more than one qb on a roster uh, especially if you're not streaming uh, right or basic and sometimes i find uh, in my mind at least having two qbs when uh, one of them is clearly your starter is as good as wasting a roster spot yeah i agree i don't do two qbs either most of the time Okay so the for the third tip I do I go back and forth on this and maybe you can chime in as well I think it's important to focus on the schedule uh this time of the year when you pick your players and this, I know that can be hard and painful sometimes and you would probably make a wrong call or two here and there but I feel like especially this year schedule matters there are only a few good defenses Yeah and yeah. I and I feel like they are able to really make an impact. What do, what do you think on this tuning for schedule strategy? You know I completely, know, I completely agree with that and I especially I hold that true for running backs. Running backs. Um and again you know just to kind of make my point I'll use a specific example. No one is going to deny at this time that Jay Ajayi is kind of like a running back one. Right? I mean he is a pretty important piece of the, but if let's say if we didn't have a trade deadline and we still had trades available and so, and say the Jay Ajayi owner was willing to trade me Jay Ajayi for someone like a wide receiver one or two I would say no because he plays Baltimore and then Arizona and at to your point each week is worth this weight and gold and yeah. i'd rather look at the running backs who might be considered quote and quote running back twos but are playing say new orleans uh, or uh, uh, you know the browns versus the guys that are playing against arizona or seattle or baltimore so i agree with you that i think matchups play a very very important role at this time of the year right uh, this year especially i've been hurt a little bit by to your point by baltimore and denver and uh Seattle actually so they those defenses seem to matter um, yeah, yeah yeah so that's something to keep an eye on now uh the other point i want to talk about is just some names right as always uh we don't have to do the typical ad drop recommendations but there are some guys who seem to be more long term at this point than they were a few weeks back uh and there are unfortunately some high picks which are by this time you know certified busts right yeah i yep. you you like this ravin one of my leagues probably this is the same league uh, 
I am struggling to make the playoffs and you are on the top of the standings. I have uh, my top picks and the receiver position were DeAndre Hopkins and Jarvis Landry, right? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, great names at the beginning of the season, but now where are they? And then my ad drops through the year has been um, Jamison Crowder and DeAndre, I mean, not DeAndre Hopkins, Devonta Adams. Oh, wow. Uh, and I have Julian Edelman, who I drafted later in in my uh, you know, draft. So, what do you think is starting for me this week? <laughs> I, I mean, if it's two receivers, I'm assuming it's Adams and uh, Crowder. Exactly. So, last, so it's been a, a big uh, bruise to my pride by because you know you don't want your draft picks to be bust, but at the same time, last week I walked away from Jarvis Landry, so I was still starting Hopkins and Crowder. This week, I gave up on Hopkins, too. So, there they are, Landry and Hopkins, sitting on my bench. <laughs> so, so, the question to you really is, I know you are a Hopkins sufferer, too. But how much do you trust Devontae Adams, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Gabriel is another name, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am a big believer on Two of those three, I, I, I want to hear your uh, opinion first. <laughs> you, you know, one common thing across, which is valid for all three of those names, I mean, aside from the fact that each one of them was unheralded before the season began, is each one of them has basically got a really pass-happy system and a stud quarterback throwing to them. And I yes, I do count Kirk Cousins as being kind of studdish this season. Yes, yes. On the flip side, you have Tannehill, uh, who's kind of inconsistent at best, plus, you know, again, that's a running team. And uh, Osweiler, who's shit, who's basically like crap. Because I personally think that Hopkins, and this is coming from a really victimized, sad owner of Hopkins, just as you are, I think Hopkins still is trying his best to make plays where there aren't any plays that exist. I mean, he's getting killed out there because of Osweiler's uh, horrible QB play. So, to me, that's what makes... You know, a good receiver, awesome, and a great receiver, absolutely crappy. Who your QB is? Right, right, definitely. So I am, I am totally on the same page with you on uh, Crowder and uh, Gabriel. I think they are trustworthy. Uh, I'm a little bit on the fence with Adams, but I think he, I see uh, Rogers is increasingly going almost exclusively to him, which is very interesting. Um, and speaking of people like Hopkins, I think this is the time uh, people need to cut their umbilical cord to their drafts and uh, think more logically than emotionally, as well as not fall for the name and go with who's producing for you, not just the big names. Now, granted, Hopkins might have a good game, right? Even this week, he might because they're at Green Bay and Green Bay is pretty much horrible defensively. Uh, but then again, you want to play uh, probability and just stick with the guys who are producing even though they are not the biggest of names and take a back seat when it comes to just putting somebody like Hopkins or Landry on the, ro- on the starting uh, roster just because of their names. That would be my, my tip. I, I, yeah, I mean, and I, I think, think it took me a long, while, long to while to 
to subscribe to that and it was really hard especially giving up on someone like a hopkins but that's what i'm going to do moving forward and as a as an example of that i'm i've been like starting michael thomas a few times instead of hopkins and basically along the same lines as the devante adams and jameson crowder etc right that's a great pick by you i mean michael thomas is just amazing for you know we always knew if ever uh breeze as a go to receiver is going to be just amazing he never did right he just always spread his ball around uh, probably marcus colston, colston many, yeah. many years back was the only guy who was anywhere near dependable in that receiving core but this michael uh, uh guy is just exploding big time so that's good for you and i think it's a no brainer honestly to start him over somebody like hopkins or landry actually at this point yep, yep. unfortunately yeah. that's what it's come down to <laughs> yeah. with hopkins cool uh, that's i think that's some of those uh, tips at the end of the day there's no brain surgery here uh, just use your common sense and basically use those as guidelines and uh, you know going back to one of the names you suggested did, you know cousins on the quarterback side is somebody was exactly that right i think he is right now a dependable more than serviceable a really dependable go to qb would don't you agree you actually have him in one of our leagues yeah and you know i i agree with that and also the other thing i've realized in the last couple of weeks with him is that he's becoming that matchup proof qb uh and an example of that is i was wondering whether or not to pick up capernick just for this week so that uh, i don't have to play cousins versus arizona but then i thought you know the guys been checking it all around so uh, he's in, you know he's in a system where they throw a lot and he seems to be finding a nice rhythm and actually only after his last few games did i go back and uh, took a look at what he did end of last year and he was similarly effective even last year so i guess it's coming up on now close to 2 years and uh, so i think yeah he's as good as uh, uh, any uh, you know tier 2 qb uh, going on today yeah i mean he's somewhere in the borderline of tier 1 and 2 i would say yes right? yes I yes mean, potentially yeah yeah he's potentially really good. but like, you see him rub the gm's head and say how do you like me now <laughs> That's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, especially when I guess you are on a one-year contract and looking for a really big deal. I'm not sure if that either totally uh, makes you the GM's best friend or like you know pisses him off. I'm sure it pisses him off, but what? But this guy is putting up numbers. That's right. You know, the right. funny part is I saw that live. I just assumed that guy was some you know some assistant like trainer. Like ball boy or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I was shocked when I learned, later learned he was a GM. I mean, a complete digression, if you don't mind. You know what came to my mind? So, as you know, I've been going to the Niner games. Yeah, yeah. And I think I might have found the best job in the NFL. Unfortunately, I'm increasingly looking more at the cheerleaders at the Niner games because the games are so bad. And who can, <laughs> That's a good who one. Can bl- who can blame me, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And as, as you know, the NFL game, there are like a gazillion cheerleaders. They split them in 
them into four groups and they're usually at both the sidelines and both the end zones and they're walking around and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. yeah. And then recently I noticed there is a guy with them and I think that's the best job in the NFL. Wow. I, I don't know what he does. He just <laughs> hangs around these cheerleaders and he gives them water once in a while. He goes and chats them up between routines and he just stands behind them. I would like to say they seem like the ball boy for cheerleaders, but except they're not boys, they're all like pushing 50 and 60. Oh, wow. Because, wow. because I don't think it's a job. It's a career, right? Who quits that job? It's like, I think you just die away and give it to your grandson or something like the Green Bay Packers season tickets because nobody wants to quit that job. But anyway, so they just hang around with cheerleaders all day during the game. And then every time they move 200 yards, he just like leads them as if he's taking them into Normandy in World War II or something <laughs> like that. As, as if the cheerleaders can't figure their way around, you know, 100 yards from where they are. Anyway, so I initially thought this guy, Kirk Cousin, was rubbing was one of those guys. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised it was the GM. Oh, that's, anyway. that's great. I mean, I wonder how you interview for that job. I mean, that yeah, that would be exactly. a much sought after position. There are, there's, exactly. There's probably less openings there than head coaches <laughs> in the NFL. True. Anyways, so with that note, I think we should uh, wrap up our NFL uh, and fantasy talk for the week. Um, unless you have something else to add, Ravi, I wanted to spend us some time on the NBA. It's been a while since we spoke. Uh, yeah, yeah. let's NBA. talk basketball. Yeah, so have you been following the season? What has uh, cut your eyes so far? I, I mean, we live in the Bay Area. The Warriors have been great, and I find them immensely entertaining offensively. Uh, let's start with them. Where, where do you think they go? I mean, there are a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of question marks. There are some question marks on their defense. Uh, how do you see this team coming along after, uh, what, 17, 18 games? Yeah, I, you know, I was just going to say that I think the sky's the limit and it is kind of manifesting itself. Uh, I mean, you know, offensively, they are a juggernaut. On defense, you know, it's one of those things where at least, again, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I feel that they're basically playing to the level of the team they're playing against. Uh, you know, so the, what I mean is that one, the one thing they lack is that lockdown, I don't care who I'm playing, I'm going to limit them to 90 or less every night. I think they lack yes. that, but again, come playoff time, they will have to play that way because they're probably going to be playing the same opponent five times or seven times. So there is going to be kind of a, a regression from an offensive scoring perspective and you will have to depend a lot more on defense. So I think some of those things will normalize themselves. My worry before the beginning of the season was more around offensively, how does Clay fit in? Uh, how does, uh, how does uh, Durant, Durant get his, get his points? points? And those things look pretty seamless now. Those issues. Yes, I agree. I think there are no issues there. I, it's amazing. All three of them seem to be uh, getting their numbers. Offensively, they are really... I think offensively, it has worked out exactly the way they expected. In the sense, one of the theories was Durant is a great fit for the system, right? Yeah. Durant... Yeah. Durant will move the ball around if required and all, all those theories I feel like has completely fallen in place and Clegg is getting his shot I think the guy who was 
made the sacrifice from a scoring perspective seems to be Draymond Green. Draymond but he, Green. he seems completely unaffected by that. I don't think he cares. He looks at himself as this kingmaker who does everything else, including yeah, defense. Yeah. You know, interesting you say that because just yesterday I was thinking that, uh, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk around Westbrook uh, almost averaging a triple-double or maybe he is now and whether he can carry that out over the course of the entire season. And my, by the way, I personally feel that rebounding is where he'll end up stumbling. Otherwise, he's just in a completely different zone. But if there was one other player in the last 10 years who I think if he wants, if he decides, hey, listen, I want to average a triple-double for the course of the season, and I think that would be Draymond. Uh, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about the exact same thing because yesterday you were probably watching the Houston game, which is yeah, a great yeah. game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and yeah. I think he got a triple-double. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I think he did as well. Yeah. So, so I was thinking the same thing too, that he can probably come close to those numbers being his average just because of the position he plays. But speaking of Russell Westbrook, that's the next topic I wanted to go to. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just to wrap up the Warrior conversation, I think uh, they're definitely all set offensively, but I do have a little bit of concern in terms of unless they go into those playoff series and run into one of these really challenging uh, opponents, I think it's going to be hard to guess how they do. But I think through the play, uh, through the regular season, they're just going to pile up wins. And they'll end up with home court throughout and all of that. I, I think they're all set in, in those terms. But there are I, there is some teams that probably can challenge them over seven game series. Uh, you know, not to repeat what Charles Barkley says, because they do have this one issue where at the end of the day, they are all jump shooters, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like yesterday, one of the reasons they lost is because both Clay and Curry shot horribly, but still it took Houston two overtimes to beat them. That's how good they are offensively, uh, the Warriors are. My only concern is what if that happens in a seven-game series, right? Now you are down one game already. Uh, that's my only concern because you, you, you don't have 82 games to make up for it. You just have, if it's the middle of a seven-game series, you just have three or four game, more games to make up for it. And at the end of the day, they are a jump-shooting team. And let's see how that uh, comes along. But just scoring-wise, I think it's so easy for these guys because the others are just by their side and there's no way a team can leave them open and come and triple-team you. It's just uh, amazing how, how hard it's going to be for teams to defend these three guys. I, yeah, I, and yeah, that's and where, that's I, where discount, I discount uh, Barclay's, Barclay's point, point because I think, and by the way, that logic probably holds true in every other team across, across the history of the game. game. That if you're going to live and die by the jump shot, there's going to be times, especially during the playoffs, where there is going to be some, you know, San Antonio Spurs or the 90s Knicks that might lock you down. But the exception is we are talking about some outliers from a shooting perspective here. Curry and Durant and even Clay. I think these guys would be some of the purest. Shooters, shooters that have ever existed. Ever existed. So, so some ru- some, some of those, some of those uh, long-held, long-held philosophies probably don't probably hold true for them. Agreed, agreed. Well, here's a question for you. Who do you think leads the Warriors in scoring? I've, I've been racking my brain on that. Um, who do you think leads the Warriors in scoring? You know, I'm just going to hazard a guess because uh, yeah. I haven't kept in kept check, but I'm assuming it's Durant. Durant. Well, 
Well, they are pretty close. As of today, it might be Durant. But I'm asking at the end of the season, what do you expect? You, you know, I think it will be Durant. I see. I want to say it's going to be Curry. Uh, okay. Yeah. Most people are picking Durant, by the way. I'm being a little uh, uh, anti-sentiment here. But I have been watching their games lately, and I think Curry is just getting the almost the same volume of shots. Both of mm. them are. Mm. Both of them are, but I feel like Curry is going to keep shooting and he may even shoot more and I don't know that's that's maybe the only intrigue with this team as far as the regular season goes it's it's definitely fun watching them yeah no life yeah. couldn't be better from a basketball fan's perspective when you know the only worry is which among your top two shooters might actually lead the lead lead the team in scoring <laughs> no kidding as opposed to the suns right where yeah. as yeah. suns fan we have a lot of things going on there you know, and, but by the way, just a point on the Suns, uh, uh, what has kind of come to fruition is exactly what we had talked about before the season began, which is that the guys are fun to watch. I mean, they're a young team. I cannot believe Booker is only 19. Uh, so, and, and so they're a fun team to watch. In most games, they are there until at least the third quarter. So they're not getting run out of the building. Uh, they have basically gotten... Uh, killed a killed couple, of couple of times, times in the season, but for the most part, even including against the Warriors a uh, uh, few weeks ago, they were there. They were there almost uh, up until the midpoint yeah. of the fourth quarter. So they're playing a fun, entertaining style of basketball. They're losing most of their games, but you know what? Not surprising. That, that's a little bit, honestly, surprising to me. I thought they would be closer to 500 than they I see. are. Okay. Uh, I am a little bit disappointed in that, but I agree with you. There are uh, Nothing changes as far as whatever expectations for them are down the road, right? Two years, three yeah, years down yeah. the road. I think the young guys are uh, still doing well and learning and getting better. So let's hope they turn it around. Um, yep, yep. So the other question that's very interesting in the NBA right now is this whole Westbrook triple-double which you brought up. As well as how under the D'Antoni system, James Harden is leading the league in assists. So these guys are putting just amazing numbers. Uh, Westbrook and Durant. I mean, not Durant. Westbrook and Harden. Um, did you see that coming? I mean, I think a lot of people saw Westbrook's performance coming. But Harden is still a horrible defensive player. But offensively, he's just amazingly improved uh, weapon right now under D'Antoni and he was already a good, very good player. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see I that didn't coming see that at all. I mean, assists, assists was the last, last stat that, that I thought Harden would be leading the league in. Uh, so, uh, so, no, I didn't no, see I that didn't coming. See that Despite, coming. The, Despite fact the fact that, that you know, with D'Antoni, that's, that's, that's the thing, thing right? The, again, the golden era for the Suns, for us as fans, was when he and Nash were singing sweet music, but Nash just, you know, impulsively, you can assume, would be a lot more amenable to being the leader and the leader of the league in assists and so on and so, so forth. So Harden, Harden, I assumed, I assumed wouldn't, wouldn't uh, you know, wouldn't be less keen on taking a 25-foot jump shot versus passing it to the open guy, but, you know, I'm wrong. Right, right. I, I think it's pure volume. The ball is in his hands <laughs> so much. I think even if he just passes once in a while, he gets 12 assists because <laughs> it's, it's almost like Nash. He has the ball so much in his hands and he's nowhere near... 
as good a point guard as Nash, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think D'Antoni deserves some credit, and they have a good record. I'm I, they're in the top half of the Western Conference, which is always hard. Let's see where they end up. Um, the other thing that caught my eye watching yesterday's game between the Warriors and Houston was to think Durant, Westbrook, and Harden were all with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. That's yeah. just mind-boggling. That is three MVP candidates. Not that is, one, that is, not you know, two, you know, three. And the, think about it. I mean, and, uh, if you look back, and I know it was all about the money and the, uh, the luxury tax and all of that, and a small market city like Oklahoma not being able to afford. Uh, but just you're right. I mean, I think if they had to do it all over again, uh, would you even trade Harden? Uh, I think. Yeah. Just, uh, well, honestly, I don't think it was even. I don't know how much of that was even money. I think, uh, of course, they didn't want to pay probably a lot of luxury tax. But at that time, it sounded like it was smarter to keep Ibaka and not Harden, right? Just because they had so much wing players and so much wing scoring, it just sounded like you needed the bigger defensive presence inside. Mm. And obviously, they couldn't pay all four, so they picked Ibaka. But you know, I I, see, I hear that, and the own and this 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 argument came up because yes, you are absolutely right. I think that's the that was the the mindset or the standpoint uh, or stance uh, from Oklahoma City's perspective. But here was my argument against it. Number one, it was pretty apparent during the last half season of. Um, uh, Harden's last year with OKC that he was probably the most fungible player in the league. Like he could play any of maybe three or four positions. Well, not the most, probably the second most after LeBron. So Harden could be put in as a small forward, a shooting guard, a point guard. I mean, he could kind of move around. So to let go of someone like that, it's almost like you're letting go of Jamal Charles because you want to keep like the fullback uh, to, to kind of you know be the be the end. Enforcer. That's a. I love that analogy. That's a great analogy. <laughs> and so that was one thing. And the second thing was, I was thinking, okay, if you needed some uh, precedence to, hey, has this kind of a team ever won anything? All they needed to do was to look at the Bulls, where you know, if you say, tell me, like, who are the two or three or four best players for the Bulls during their glory era? Obviously, you start with Jordan and Pippen. But then you have like a moving cast of uh, Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman or Tony Kukoc. But you're not talking about Luke Longley and uh, Bill Wellington and all of those guys. So my and I know Ibaka is much was much more of a valuable commodity. It's just that I feel just for that one impulsive stance, they let go of a once in a generation type of a player. That's true. I agree. I mean, in hindsight, it doesn't uh, look like uh, what you know. It doesn't look like anywhere near a smart move uh, except there's one thing that has come out of this though they i think they got steven adams with one of the yes. they got back so that's right that is the saving grace here because that guy seems like a monster but that's right. at the end of the day you would think that if they had all three they would have won a championship over the next couple of years agreed, uh, agreed. yeah Cool. That's a good uh, appetizer for NBA. I think we'll talk more as we wind down the NFL season and move into NBA. Um, should we move on to our usual puck of five where we talk about five random things that we that's kind of on the top of our mind or we, we feel like mentioning or whatever? 
Let's do that. Let's do that. Do you want me to go first or you? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So my pucka fight for this week was uh, I heard another. Uh, probably most people did uh, uh, another news coming out of the Tim Tebow uh, neck of the woods, where he's talking about how he gave up a million dollar advertising deal or something because he was with the Patriots and he thought he needs to focus on football or I don't know what the story is, but basically he's saying he was with Bill Belichick and the Patriots and he gave, gave up this million dollar advertising gig. Uh, and as part of the conversation, I couldn't even say this without laughing. Supposedly he thought that he's going to be there forever and he will take up, uh, take over for Tom Brady when he, Brady retires. Wow. And him, wow. him and Belichick are going to win a ton of Super Bowl rings. That was his grand plan, <laughs> basically. Wow. I mean, I know we are laughing at it, but as an athlete himself, probably he truly believed that, right? That's what keeps these guys going. They need to truly believe they are the best at it. But anyway, so that was his plan. And then he got cut. And then he also says he went to Jacksonville and he didn't have a car or a house. So he makes it sound like he was a homeless guy or something. <laughs> when in reality, he's, he's made millions of dollars even up to that point, right? Yeah. So that got me thinking that Tim Tebow was a, has always been in the news a lot, but it was mostly because of his charisma and his popularity and it was just like this clean-cut good guy, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm feeling like he's slowly transitioning into a little bit of a circus act. You know, he's entering the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West uh, uh, list of people slowly. He's not there yet, but, you know, he's releasing his second book. He had this MLB tryout and he's, I think, doing really bad in the minor league and then he comes out and gives this interview about how he didn't have a car or a house in Jacksonville and how he was going to take over from uh, Tom Brady and win a bunch of Super Bowls. I think he's just going in the wrong direction. So that was my uh, point number one, the useless Paka 5 take. Uh, he's just not where he needs to be. Yeah, 100% agreed with you on that. <laughs> and uh, coincidentally, Ravi, so my second point is about our buddy Jim Rome. I heard this in, in on Jim Rome. So pe for people who don't know, Jim Rome has this long-running radio show, which was one of the uh, uh, things that me and Ravi connected on, like probably 15 years, 16, 17 years back. We both used to be uh, very big fans of Jim Rome. He calls them clones. We were pretty much a clone. And we connected and we used to laugh at all his jokes and all of that. I have a feeling you have moved away from that a little bit. You have matured out of the Jim Rome clonedom. Is that fair? No, no, I'm, no. You know, mature. I mean, I've moved away, but matured more is probably the wrong uh, way to put it. What has happened, Arvind, is that I used to primarily listen to Jim Rome during lunchtime on traditional radio. And once he moved to satellite radio, number one, I lost touch with that. And then another, I guess, 
evolution happened with the whole podcast uh, uh you know ecosystem so i got hooked on to podcast so basically okay. over a period of time i lost touch with live radio in general and that obviously affected my uh, my gym room uh, uh, fandom as well okay yeah i mean you still on uh, terrestrial uh, radio uh, i and to be fair i don't listen to as much as i used to either like you are absolutely right there are more options but i still every time i listen to him i just find myself laughing my yeah, heart yeah. heart out i mean he's still funny and just it, this old tim debo thing reminded me that just how good he still is and for our listeners i would recommend checking him out he's a he's definitely an acquired taste you will probably hate him for a week or two and like he himself says give me two weeks and if you don't like it i will ask you to give me two more weeks so <laughs> so eventually you might grow on you but definitely a fun show to check him out jim rome in the jungle that's what it's called uh, my third pack of five item is this uh, weekend i think giants are going into pittsburgh to play the steelers i think it's a home game for pittsburgh i'm not sure but anyway, yes giants, yes that's right that's right yeah giants and steelers are playing and the you might have seen this on espn these two are two of the top quarterbacks drafted in 2004 i think uh, eli was uh, eli was the number one pick and big ben was 11 of course philip rivers was also picked very high in the same draft and it's amazing how good these two guys have done i mean i was not a big fan of either of them to be honest with you but both of them have won two super bowls uh, i still <laughs> don't know what to make of Eli Manning but i have been completely converted as far as big ben goes he's an absolute superstar quarterback uh, eli manning huh, i still have my question marks he probably is a superstar only if he's playing uh, hoodie and tom brady in the super bowl otherwise i don't know about that guy but uh, both of them are had a tremendous career and probably end up in the hall of fame but big ben for sure is uh, i become a huge fan from being somebody who used to pretty much close to think is below average uh, what do you think yeah, of those two yeah no so no no uh, arguments against uh, ben rothlesberger being a super star qb uh, in the current era and i frankly like eli even less than you do and i in fact draw a comparison arvin that the other big quarterback that was also drafted in the same uh, time or in the same year was philip rivers and yeah. truly speaking like let's say 20 years from now when people are thinking back on who were the you know the great qbs of this era the 2000 to 2015 era i'm sure eli's name would come up purely because of the two super bowls beating a highly favored patriots team and all of that but pound for pound if i were to start a team i would start the team with rivers versus eli any day Uh, I I agree. I think Rivers is really unlucky to be in this yeah, situation. Yeah. He's in, and I don't even know what the franchise is doing, and it never seems to work out for them. Like this year, finally Melvin Gordon turned it around, and I shouldn't say finally; it's just a second year. But they even have a running game after Ladainian Tomlinson for the first time, probably. Yeah, and they yeah. they still can't even make it out of their own division. It's amazing what they're doing with this career. Actually. that is right and and you know he's been gutting it out and sometimes i almost laugh at the type of or at the slew of wide receivers that he's played with i mean you know due to injury yeah. and all of that yeah agreed uh, 
So that should be a good matchup nonetheless. Ben versus Eli. Check it out this weekend. That's my third point. Uh, the fourth one is staying on this weekend's matchup. Uh, Patriots are hosting the Rams and Hoodie in his midweek news conference was going on and on gushing over the Rams punter Johnny Hecker. Uh, a, a name which none of us ever heard about. So it looks like Bill Belichick really likes this dude. Uh, I don't know how he missed on signing him or whatever, or if he ever had an opportunity or draft him. or I don't know what the deal is. But I've never seen a head coach talk so much about a punter. That's hilarious. And the funny part is I think Hoodie just showed us how he can be even more, even less interesting in these conference calls. He already doesn't tell us anything in most of these pressers, but I can't believe that he would just spend so much time on a punter and make it completely boring and non-controversial and uninteresting. But I, you, know, you know, that's that's, uh, that's a that's a really good Pucka five point, Arvind, because that's like an ultimate fu on two levels. Number one versus the media, who you absolutely hate, so you yeah. kind of talk about the punter. And the second thing is, it's also an fu against the team you're playing against that you you cannot think of any position player. Uh, other than the the two least important players on the team to talk highly about. Exactly. That's actually yeah, a bad commentary on the Rams that he spent so much time talking about the punter. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, Hoodie and that's Rams for you. Um, I know you are not a big fan of uh, Jeff Fisher, so I will leave that to you. Um, uh, he had an interesting week too. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so my last point is also on the NFL. I know there's been a lot of concern about the ratings and where the game is going. I think I was also pretty negative on that. There's a very interesting uh, Ringer article by Bill Simmons yeah. and yeah. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. They they are kind of buddies and they talk a lot usually. And in this article it's more capturing their conversation and i would say check it out it's pretty interesting they also go into the long-term problems uh, nfl is facing even though i should add and i read this in that article as well that supposedly since the election nfl has gotten really good ratings uh, so mm. maybe it was the most train wreck of an election that was affecting the nfl i don't know it's too early to say but I believe even yesterday's uh, Cowboys at Vikings were supposed was supposedly the highest uh, rated Thursday night football game ever or something like that. So maybe it's either, and of course the Thanksgiving game between Washington and uh, Dallas was the other data point. So it's either the good old uh, Cowboys fans saving the ratings or it's maybe it was just the election that gave us this impression that NFL was struggling to put butts on the seats. We'll see. But anyway, I think regardless, NFL has some big question marks and uh, they go into that in that article. So check it out when you get a chance. Um, those are my Paka 5. It's uh, your turn, Ravi. Thank you, Arvind. Uh, you know, so my Paka 5, I'll start with an NBA point and that is around Luke Walton. You know, I was one of those guys that felt that uh, last year he went on this amazing uh, start, uh, start to his, to his coaching his career, career because of course uh, unavailability and everyone was talking about how Walton might be the new 
uh, you know, hot coach in the market. And I was very pessimistic. I frankly felt that all he was doing was like basically rolling the ball over to Curry and Xerox uh, uh, copying whatever Kerr had outlined for the team. And uh, that's all his job was. And I couldn't have been more wrong given mm-hmm. what he has done with this young, dynamic Lakers team. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. But even more importantly, what I hear is things like, you know, when they kind of break a huddle, uh, their uh, war cry is, I love basketball. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to get like a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, kids for sure, but a bunch of very entitled uh, young millionaires who are superstars in their in their profession, in what they're doing, to kind of agree to and actually enjoy one of these kumbaya type of uh, philosophies is an amazing testament to what he's doing with them. I mean, you know, and he's not like a Larry Brown... Uh, old Phil Jackson type of an old school guy. He's like a young guy who's getting them to basically believe in what he's coaching, almost like a teacher. And I've been super impressed by what he's doing. So, so you know, hat, hats off to Luke Walton. Yeah. He's um, definitely impressed uh, everybody, actually. That's a yeah, yeah. good call. The second point uh, is moving to... Actually, I'll stay with basketball and this has to do with our Phoenix Suns. You know, and I think one of our prior podcast uh, NBA-related topics was around the creation of super teams and whether that's a good thing or not. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's one of those things which became... which has now become my flight of fancy that after the Suns played the Wizards last week, Eric Bledsoe spoke to the media and said how he's been trying to convince uh, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, uh, both of whom went to Kentucky, just like Bledsoe did and Devin Booker did. Basically, he's been asking Cousins and Wall to consider joining Phoenix. And I was thinking, you know, frankly, I would love that super team if that were to materialize in the next couple of years. Nice. I never heard about this, but that sounds good. Even though I have to admit, I'm not a big Boogie Cousins fan. Uh, that guy has uh, he needs he has a couple of screws in his head. He, he does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, and by the way, I completely agree with you. It's just that game after game of watching Alex Len trying to pick the basketball off his feet like a piece of gum stuck under his heel. I mean, it's 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 you know you kind of almost crave for someone who's serviceable and boogie. Frankly, I mean, you know, aside from his attitude, he is you know one of the top big men in the league. So. Definitely, definitely. So that so was that my was second my point. point. My third, my third point, point is around uh, Kaepernick, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, again, staying local but moving to football. Uh, he's been a breath of fresh air, not necessarily from a real football wins and losses perspective, but from a fantasy perspective. And I didn't realize uh, that he's now ranked 12th in rushing uh, in the league. Uh, and he's averaging more yards uh, per game than Todd Gurley. Among wow. other luminaries. So, you know, so, so, so to think of the fact that, in fact, in the league that we play together, I know that he got picked off the, he got picked up from the uh, scrap heap this week. And I felt bad about missing out on him uh, because, again, he's someone who's kind of providing that mid range QB plus half of a running back, uh, you know, if you start him. So I think he's been quite valuable in that perspective. Not to pat myself on the back, but he was my. Uh, Stand-in for Tom Brady during Brady's bye week. Oh, yeah. In fact, you were the first owner in our league to pick him up. Yes, I did. Yes. 
So no, no, no absolute no, kudos to you. <laughs> uh, Thank you. My fourth point is around the New England Patriots, and there's been a lot of talk in the last 24 hours around Gronk and how he is now gone, and whether who picks up the slack, and there's names like Malcolm Mitchell and. Um, Martellus Bennett being thrown around. I actually have a contrarian view on all of this, and this is born out of last weekend's game when, in the first half, New England couldn't do much on offense against the Jets. Yeah. And Hoodie started throwing these uh, very uh, interesting, um, uh, you know, plays in where he basically had Dion Lewis and James White together in the backfield, uh, creating complete confusion amongst the defense. And I was thinking, you know, the Ideal thing to do, uh, or not ideal, but one of the cool things to do with Gronk being out. So you're basically not anchored to one star maker to catch the ball. Is basically to do away with the tight end slot. Have two running backs, neither both of whom can actually catch the ball of the backfield. And especially Lewis looks to be back at his prime now. In you know, based on how he looked at the end of last week's game. So something interesting. And again, leave it to Hoodie to. Kind of create innovation off of a pretty, uh, you know, typically uh, standard game, which is football. I uh, I hope you're right because I do have Dion Lewis in my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And so my last point again, it's partially related to hoodie and the Patriots, but it's actually uh, more uh, in relation to the, the to the opponent that they are playing, the Rams, and more specifically their coach Jeff Fisher. So similar to what you said about hoodie at a press conference uttering some crap. Fisher was asked uh, what he thought of the New England rushing attack, and his response was that yes, I know New England uh, rushing. Is, I mean, they are, they have a good running attack, and uh, Brandon and Danny are doing very well for them. And he obviously was referring to Brandon Bolden, who's been on IR, and Danny Woodhead, who's been playing for the Chargers for the last three years. So wow. So obviously, just as you said to me prior to us talking. I'm assuming that he said it in 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 a humorous manner, but it didn't come across that way. Everyone thought he was being serious, and that has wow. set off this incredibly funny Twitter uh, mania, wherein people are now, you know, laying out, spitting out jokes which have made me laugh all day. Like one of the ones was when Gronk got hurt, and he's on IR. Uh, one of the guys, actually, he happens to be a journalist who's put it on his Twitter feed that Fisher won't care because he's been game planning for Ben Coates. <laughs> and the other one that I thought was particularly funny was today, Tavon Austin uh, has been now uh, termed doubtful for Sunday because of some injury. And uh, uh, But again, the same scribe mentioned that Fisher wouldn't care because he still has Isaac Bruce on his roster. So, <laughs> so, so leave it to Jeff Fisher, who I absolutely despise anyways as a coach, uh, to come up with something that at least is funny. Wow. But he's got to be joking, don't you think so? I, I, he can't be. <laughs> you know, so here's my take on it. If he is trying to be funny... Uh, I'm the only reason he's probably going to do that is because he wants to kind of stick one up Hoodie's ass, but that's not the guy you want to mess with, right? I mean, I'd rather, if I was Fisher, I'd rather be perceived as being stupid and have said something wrong versus Hoodie thinking that I was trying to make fun of him and then taking it out on me on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, agree. Maybe he's really confused. Who knows? 
but but that's a great list i think that wraps up our show and ravi uh, i will see you hopefully tomorrow at the suns warriors game and hopefully we can talk more about fantasy football playoffs next week let's do that let's do arvin that. thank you so much thank you so much yep later guys bye uh, bye bye, bye.